Well, there is a story that, uh, of a church in a community, and right before the service start, everyone was sitting and waiting, and all of a sudden, Satan came in and sat down on the front row. And while everybody in the church was scrambling to get out of the presence of Satan, except for one man who sat up front next to Satan, and Satan said, don't you know who I am? man said, yep, I sure do. And aren't you afraid of me? Nope, I sure ain't. Don't you realize I can kill you with a word, Satan asked? I don't doubt it for a minute, the old man replied in an even tone. Don't you know that I could cause you profound agony and pain? And he said, yep, I do. But you're still not afraid of me? And the man says, nope. And he said, why aren't you afraid of me? Well, I've been married to your sister for the last 48 years. <laughs> Happiness. This guy obviously did not have happiness. Happiness is a simple idea. Even if we can't define it, we, we know the feeling of joy in our life, and we know when that feeling of goodwill is there, of purpose and, and good fortune when we see it ahead of us. We all know what it is to feel happy, even though we may not be able to define it. But we always want more happiness. See, you can argue that a person has a decision to make each week, and that decision, somehow or another, has to do with chasing happiness. Isn't that what we do? That we make decisions at work, we make decisions on relationships, we make decisions about where we go, where we eat, what we engage in. So much of what we do is connected to the idea of chasing happiness. We chase happiness into the gym or into the plastic surgeon. We chase happiness into the department store or into the mall or onto the internet. We chase it in that next purchase. And we often think happiness is something we're going to get on the outside. We think it's something that happens to us. So we look in the mirror and we think, if I could just change the shape of my nose or my ears weren't so big or if I was taller or if I weighed less, then I'd be happy. Or you look around your house and you said, if I had a bigger TV set or if I had, a, had the right appliances in my kitchen, if I could just upgrade this and upgrade that, I would be happy. And so we go into debt. Or we even will say, if I lived in a different place or in a different city, then I would be happy. So I, I changed to a different place, but what people find out is no matter where you go, no matter where you move, the biggest challenge you're going to face is, is wherever you go, you bring you. And what you left until you work on what's on the inside is just going to transfer from one place to another. So the goal is, is to work out what is on the inside. Because if you don't work on what's on the inside, change is hard. So you can become a new you by letting God change you on the inside. And there might be a need for a change. See, a lot of us chase happiness in a lot of different directions thinking it's out there. But I want to suggest to you some biblical principles to apply so that you can see and realize that happiness is not just getting something new, it's becoming something new. 
and becoming something new in Christ and becoming that person that God created you to be. See, I believe there are some intentional things we can do to experience a lasting joy and happiness in our lives. Paul in Philippians 4.4 is writing a letter of joy and happiness. And he's writing it from prison, where you would think that reading it, he'd be writing from some beach somewhere on vacation. But the truth is, he's writing from a tough situation. And he says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, let us rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considered in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Notice he says, always be full of joy. Again, rejoice. So what he's telling us here is a command. It's a command. Always be full of joy in the Lord. God's saying that He wants us to be joyful and happy. And for some of us, that may be a steep hill. Yes, there are good times that it's going to be easy to rejoice, but He's commanding us to find the joy and happiness in Him, and then His power and His Holy Spirit will help us to experience it as we depend on God. See, the first habit we need to have is the habit of seeking happiness. We need to be people that are able to be in the pursuit of the habits of happiness. Have you ever thought about what it took to be happy? I remember when I was a kid, I would tell my dad, if you'll give me that 1969 GTX or that Roadrunner for my 16th or 17th birthday, you won't ever have to buy another birthday present or a Christmas present. You won't have to give me anything ever again, Dad. Well, I didn't get it. I did get it, but I bought it like uh, when I was in 1983, and that was like 1970. But what happens is, is I basically saw my dad standing in the way of my happiness. But that's what happens when we don't get what we want, doesn't it? But what we also know that is happiness is temporary. And when we as humans see God in the same way, where we see God getting in the way of our happiness, where God has given us commands and given us all this stuff and He doesn't answer our prayer concerns and all these things limit our happiness. And people's view is if you want to, to be good, go to church. If you want to be holy, go to church. But if you want to be happy, go shopping or go to Starbucks or go play golf or go out on the lake. And we have this idea that God is holy but God isn't happy. And we get the idea that holiness and happiness can't go together. It's like the two things are, are opposed. But I would suggest to you that God is totally holy. But I also suggest to you that the Bible says God is happy. And God is full of joy. See, happy and holy are not opposite. In fact, they go together. 
If you just look at the book of Galatians 5, where it talks about the fruits of the Spirit, the first three are love and joy and peace. And whenever you see the word blessed in the Bible, it is interpreted more than happiness. See, God gives us a rich, deep happiness. And maybe God gives us commands to keep us from unhappiness. How many times in your life have you done something you shouldn't have done, like lying or cheating, and, and got yourself into situations where it has absolutely drained the joy and happiness out of your life? Or when you covet someone else's talents or looks or possessions? What happens when we compare? When we compare, we often get in trouble and we find no sense of joy and commitment. They're gone. Just maybe God isn't trying to get in the way of our happiness. Maybe God is trying to lead us into happiness. And His will and His way have such a powerful effect that if we let Him, we will experience more love and more joy and more peace. See, we should pursue the habit of happiness. We need to pursue that habit of happiness. And when it comes to chase it and pursue it, and the things that used to make us happy, we'll find don't make us happy anymore. We were, uh, I was telling you that uh, we've been married 41 years, so yesterday I was telling Daryl and Gail Laker this, that I didn't know the Kentucky score. I didn't know they beat Florida for the first time since 1979 and 83. And, and uh, Matt Martin was telling me I wasn't even born last time they beat Kentucky or beat Florida. But I was in a recliner that we have bought that seats two of us watching, uh, watching Hallmark movies. <laughs> well, one of the movies we watched was about Johnny Cash and his... See, so you go, oh, you're a good husband, Rob. Yeah, tell Karen that. Watching the story of Johnny Cash, too, and about his addiction issue. He says, I spent my entire life chasing what I felt when I took that first pill. That was the rest of my journey. But it was never like it was the first time. And no matter how many times I did that after that, it led to havoc and destruction in my life. So he said, we keep chasing those things that used to produce happiness. But what we're saying is, if we looked in a different direction for our happiness, because when it comes to happiness, you know there's research about happiness? There is a circle. Let me show you this circle that scientists came up with. And if you, if you look at this, what it says is that 50% of your happiness is fixed, meaning it's a genetic disposition. And you have a pre predisposition and half of our happiness is set by that genetic disposition yes we can have unhappy and troubling seasons and have bad things and happen but the tendency is over time you will get back to that point and it's showing that happiness is isn't is not a hundred percent choice that there is a set point of happiness and different people are at different places. And a lot of people struggle in that fixed point of happiness. 
And if, if we need help in getting to that point of happiness, there are counselors and psychologists and there are doctors and there is medicine out there. And there are ways we can get help. And using what God has given us through others to get back to that feeling. But we all are in different places when it comes to that predisposition. And 50% of it, we have very little control over. And what is surprising, if you look, 10% of happiness is made up of life events. Yet I think most of us think 90% of our happiness is made up of life events. When we say that my happiness will come when I get that new job, or when the Colts win the Super Bowl, I'll be happy. Or if I just had more money, or if I just fell in love, or if I just had better children. We think that that next life event is what makes us happy. So we chase down all the little paths. And when think about this, research shows, research shows that if you get married, that can bring happiness into your life for about two years. Now, the poor guy in the joke didn't have two years, I'm sure. But that does not mean your marriage can't continue to be happy. It just means the event itself is not long-term enough. And think about pay raises. Pay raises bring a sense of happiness, don't they? But how long do they last? They last until we adjust our spending. And so we suddenly, one or two months later, we're out of money again. We adjust to that new normal, and we spend that raise, and we turn around needing more money. Research shows that negative life events can uh, affect us for years to come, and they can be hard to get over sometimes. Yes, being abused as a child, or breakups, or divorces, or death can, can cause that. And those things can hang over us. But those life events are only 10% of our happiness. But if asked, most people would say life events, uh, that's what produces all the happiness. Isn't most of our prayers about life events or things that we want to happen? But yet it's a small sliver of the pie. Research also shows us that 40% of our happiness is based on habits. And that's what I want to talk about. Intentional activities. In other words, we need to develop habits of spiritual happiness. These things that you can control. In other words, you may not need a new situation. You may not need a new job to be happy. You just may need to change your habits. In other words, nothing has to change in your life from an event standpoint. For us, the effect of 40% of our happiness Nothing needs to change on the exterior. Nothing needs to change on the outside for you to have that happiness. So what spiritual habits can we engage in in helping us to feel more joy, more love, more peace, more sense of goodwill towards others and God in our lives? If you look at that passage we had, Paul gives us that. He goes on in verse 6 and 7. He says, do not worry about anything, but instead pray about everything and tell God what you need and thank Him for what He has done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything 
that we can understand, and his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Paul's saying to us, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And that's hard for us because we watch TV, we see the news, we have things going on in our life which pushes fear. And that worry should push us, push us to having a greater faith in God. A God who is bigger than that whole process. So replace for your first habit, replace worry with prayer. Developing that over a period of time, like me, I got the habit of biting my fingernails or making triangles on my clothing when I'm getting tired. You may have a habit of smoking or chewing gum, and the habits can be hard to break. But maybe you need to embrace some new habits and see what those new habits can do in our life. Because all of us have the habit of worry. It's in our nature about what's going to happen in life. So what if whenever worry came into our life, we had the habit of re referring to prayer? To when worry comes, we take it and we give it to God in prayer. And it may be that worry keeps coming back, but each time you take it to God and you give it to Him in prayer. To where you don't even think about it anymore, you just immediately go to God. What would happen instead of worrying about money, you would pray for God to meet your financial needs. And the same with your health. And the same with those things that come into our life. See, this can be a transformational habit in your life to replace worry with prayer. And when you do that, you will find that your perspective will start to change when you're praying. Maybe you're standing in front of a huge obstacle, a huge wall, and the barrier's right there and you feel worry and that pressure. But here's what happens when you start praying about it. You realize the wall is in front of you and you can't go over it. And you don't know how to get through it. But you do, don't know how to get on the other side. But when you start to pray, you realize that you have a God that's bigger than that wall or that obstacle. And you have a God that can bring that wall down or take you over that wall. You have a God that can empower you to get through that wall. You have a God bigger than that obstacle. But we also have a God who is wise and big and understanding enough. And God may say to, say to you, you don't want to go through that wall. Turn around and walk away. So it's a perspective when we get into the habit of saying, I'm going to take my worries and replace them with prayer. See, we find ourselves handling life better. Another habit you can develop is also to find the awesome in your life. See, that's what Paul is talking about when he's giving thanks for all that God had done in his life even though he was in prison. So look for the awesome in your life and give thanks to God for the little things in life that that maybe you all of a sudden see that that sunrise, even though you may be in a traffic jam, the sunrise is beautiful. Or maybe you got the last piece of pie that was left at the restaurant that you wanted. Or maybe the lawnmower started on the first pull of the, of the string. What are the simple things in life that are awesome? But how about the big things? That you're forgiven. 
And God has provided a way for you to have a relationship with Him. And when you're grateful, folks, it's simple. The little things in life can shift our perspective when you look for the awesome. Folks, it's, we can't control the future. Let's go back to the, to the circle that we had. You can't control a lot of things in life, but believe that God is in control. And as His child, He loves you. And you can pray and take your concerns to Him. And you can live in faith and giving God your fears and worries and looking for the awesome. You can look for ways of serving others. It's something that we need to choose to do intentionally. To be a light and an encouragement to others. And if that's your attitude, you're going to have a better day. Because you are continually trying to control that 40% of your happiness that is related to your habits. As you develop new habits. Habits where you look for the awesome every day in your life. Where you go to God in prayer when worry comes. And you act like your heart and mind is, is... wrapped up with Christ Jesus. And when you start practicing those habits, you'll find more and more in your life you will experience the love and joy and peace and happiness of God. Because often in life, when we develop those habits, we'll find out that our feelings will follow our actions. So what is God calling you to do? Let us pray. Lord, as we gather here this morning, we thank you that you're a God of joy, a God of peace, a God of happiness, a God that we can give our thanks to. We pray as we move forward in life that we'll be people that develop the habit of prayer and finding the awesome and focusing on you as the Lord of our life. And we give it all to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.